Welcome back to the Skits and Giggles podcast. My name is Pascal, and uh, today I'm not joined by Bryson. Today I'm joined by Darren Mace. How's it going, mate? Good, thank you. Managed to dry out a little bit. Exactly. That would have been my, my next question. How are you recovering from the Grisha trail dive? Yeah, um, you know, muscles are holding up. Had a good night's sleep after we, after we finished on the last day. Um, yeah, no aches and pains. It's always good when you're my age. Very good. And I guess the kit is still wet, as is mine. I did uh, I did uh, use uh, the football boot dryer of my son to get my some of my kit dry again, but uh, other parts are still pretty wet. Mine's all hanging up in the attic. Okay, what I want to do today is, uh, well, first I want to lay out a little bit why we sit down. I think one of the coolest things that has come out of the podcast is you know, the intertwining of the virtual of the podcast with the reality of meeting people outside in the real world and hanging out and, and, and having some cool experiences on the bike. And we've had a number of those uh, at this stage, chief amongst which uh, the Grisha trail ride this year as well as last year. And uh, I think it would be interesting to compare and contrast notes so our listeners can get a feeling for for the event how it really is and maybe we can illustrate it with a couple of uh, fun anecdotes here and there so why don't we start with the simple question what made you come back to the grisha trail ride this year it was just such an awesome event last year i couldn't not come back the first thing me and Gianmarco said Gianmarco being the guy that's with my team one of my neighbors first thing we said when we finished last year was we got to go again and we've got to try and get a better place than we did last year. Because even though it's a little bit of fun, it still brings out that little bit of competitive spirit in you. And it's a great competition where even people, average people like me, can still compete to a certain extent. And you can have ambitions to get a, a certain place without it being overly serious like it would be if it, if it was a pure race. Oh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I'm... I'm was part of the the, the event with uh, the same team as well. We obviously have a slightly different setup. So I'm with my two best friends from back at university. They are somewhat experienced riders, but not quite um, as experienced as others. But uh, we made it work, and that's exactly what makes this uh, event so so special. Um, maybe before we continue, we should uh, lay out a little bit how the event works. Do you want to take a stab at that? Okay, I can give it a go. So um, it's a three-day trail riding event. Each day you get six hours to ride. And the night before each day you get given a map. That map has lots of different trails marked on it. And every trail has a points value. Your goal in your team is to ride as many of those trails and collect as many points as you can in six hours. Simple as that. Points at the end of three days all get added up and you get a list from first all the way down to 31st as it was this year. Absolutely. So that's basically all the magic that is to the event. Um, we also have to mention that it takes place in some of the nicest areas that Switzerland has to offer. It all takes place, as the name implies, in the Grisens. Um, chiefly amongst those destinations is, is Davos. Lenzerheide and Arosa, they are all relatively close to each other, so they can be linked up in uh, 
in, in easy ways, be it by train or direct crossing over passes um, or with gondolas. Um, I guess if we compare the two events, because we've do both done with the same setup, the two editions in 2023 and in 2022, um, if we compare them, I guess the main difference from my perspective was, of course, that um, you know the order of the locations was a bit different. Um, what else was different this year for you? I guess the biggest difference was something we forgot to mention when we were talking about the setup is that every day, every morning, the organizers try and throw a spanner into the works by giving you a bonus trail that's worth double points. And last year, the bonus trail was always part of what we planned in advance. And this year, it wasn't the case. So this year, we were having to do a little bit more planning on the go. But also what is uh, interesting is, of course, now comparing a few of those events and they used to organize a different event as well, it was only located in Davos, is that they, between the different editions, they changed uh, the trails that you can ride. They obviously changed the arrangement between the locations. Um, of course, the weather uh, sometimes throws a little spanner or a big spanner as it was this time around into the works. Um, and, uh, it leaves a lot of room to play, I guess. Um, if you look at the different teams, how they approach, um, their days in terms of the riding and how much they ride, where they ride and how they use the, the gondolas and funiculars, etc. Um, that's where the, the real differences are. Um, maybe in simple terms, can you explain how you went about planning your days, giving all the restrictions of gondolas time trails which ones are giving you points and which ones don't basically our plan was to ride trails we'd never ridden before and hopefully combine that with trails that are worth a lot of points um it was interesting this year round we only rode two trails that we rode on the whole three days of last year every other trail was different so it's 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 part exploring riding places we've never ridden before and trying to combine that with a sensible route that will get us a load of points and most importantly get us to the finish on time because last year we failed to get to the finish on time twice and this year we were on time on every single day okay which is much much better than me and my team we've managed to uh, not only be late once but we've managed to be late for three consecutive days in the Grisha trail ride competition. Um, two times uh, last year and one time very, very significantly on the first day uh, this time around. And uh, yeah, so that is something that has to be kept in mind. You know, all those points, they are great. If you, you know, you ride all the trails, you get the bonus trail, you link up all the gondolas, all of that. But there is also the time limit. And that's really what people forget. The time limit and the time penalty with it um, is pretty, pretty steep. And I think we, we had the one of the highest deductions, I guess, in this year and the last year's editions with 500 point deduction, um, which was uh, 50 minutes late on the, on the first day this year. So that can throw a little spanner in the works. Yeah, I, I think that's probably one of the hardest aspects is trying to get that timing right, trying to get to the goal, get sorry, trying to get to the finish without 
being too early or too late. I mean, on the first day of this year, we completely miscalculated. We were there 45 minutes too early with very few options for any other trail to ride to use up that time. Day two, I think we hit it just about perfect. Two minutes to spare. After six hours, I reckon that's a pretty good result. Oh, absolutely. Maybe they should introduce, as a, a novelty next year, they should introduce an exchange between the different teams where you can trade time slots. Um, so we could have used your 45 minutes from uh, from the first day for, for our uh, being late and managing to get lost three times in 500 meters <laughs> an hour away from, from the finish. Okay, but... Um, I guess what we also have to mention is that this happens on open trails, so this is not a closed race course. Um, what that means is that you're also faced with um, gondolas that have other users using them, so that could mean that you're in line. That's also um, something that can happen, or you miss a bus, or you miss a train, or, or something like that. Um, have you built contingencies in your plans, or... Were you lucky? We were just lucky and you never had to? We always try and build some contingency into our plan. Um, I use uh, the Commute app to plan the routes and it gives you an estimation of how long it should take you to ride certain sections. And for six hours, I think we were usually planning somewhere between four and four and, four and a half hours of riding, the other hour and a half for lifts and contingencies. Okay. Um, from, I mean, you were this year and last year, you were kind of around the top 10, just outside of the top 10, if I remember. Just um, outside. Just outside. Oh, that's terrible. But if you compare kind of your days and how you rode and compare that to like the best teams, what are, what are the main differences between, let's say your strategy and, and like the absolute winners, the top of the top of the crop? I don't know there's a big difference in strategy. It's just a big difference in fitness. <laughs> that, that ultimately, the guys that are winning are doing routes that I could never get round in the six hours you've got. Because no matter how carefully you try and plan it, if you, if you want to get some decent points, you've got to do some of those trails with some climbs on it. And, and that's where these guys are killing me. They're flying up these climbs and I'm plodding up like an old steam train. <laughs> okay but let's let's talk about more about like the team setup right because obviously there's there's teams that are you know an elite squadron of super fit racer types um where on the scale from the elite squadrons to total joe blow where would you rank your team and how did your team look like i'm convinced i've got to be one of the slowest climbers out there <laughs> Um, I can my, confirm. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> my my partner, he's Gianmarco. Uh, he's definitely a better climber than me. But I I think we're pretty decent on the downhills. You know, can, we're not can the confirm. we're not the <laughs> fastest, but I've got good good downhill stamina. So I mean, this year we went from the Roton to Arosa without stopping. It was the only way we got to the goal on time. And and I certainly know from seeing some of the other guys on the trail that they were having to stop and take breaks on the downhills. So right at the bottom on the uphill, somewhere indicative of where we finished off, sort of in the top half when it comes to the downhills, probably. 
me on the other hand, so we were a pretty, let's say a pretty mixed group. So I'm, I guess, okay, uphill as well as downhill. Um, my two friends, they are more casual riders. One of them, Dennis, he comes off a, a one-year injury um, where he was pretty much off the bike. He only rode his road bike for half a minute, half hour slots uh, every once in a while. Uh, a bit of a lot of physio, but but generally no mountain biking, and we could uh, we could definitely feel that uh, you know it's it's there's two types of fitness that you that you kind of need for this event or a lot of these kind of events is on the one hand yes it's let's say the pedaling fitness the uphill fitness you know long climbs all these kind of things but there's also the downhill fitness and it's just you know if you've just been training on your road bike. And then for a year, and then you throw yourself into an event like that, then you will feel your arms and hands and shoulders and back and all these kind of things pretty quickly. And as it was, uh, that uh, that was uh, becoming uh, one of the bottlenecks, certainly on the second day. Uh, whereas um, on the first day, it was more the, the, the pedaling fitness that was 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 getting uh, getting to the end. But um, but yeah, so it's kind of uh, different types of riders, um, different types of riding style, different types of fitness guys, or kind of also approaches to an event like that. And I think that's what makes it so interesting and appealing is that you can come to this event, you can have a great experience, you can have a lot of fun. If you want to challenge for the top spots, you can so, you better bring your your fittest friends. But if you just want to have a great time, you know, no one stops you from and just enjoying, just picking the loveliest trails, only the ones that you've never seen. And as long as you show up on time, you'll still be in the ranking at some stage. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something in it for absolutely every rider. I'm truly convinced of that. It is. I think it's just one of the best formats around. Yeah, no, it's uh, certainly very unique, and uh, I've not never seen it somewhere somewhere else outside of Switzerland um, or the Grizzons, for that matter. Are you familiar with other formats like that? <clears throat> I've never seen anything like it. Um, it. It's a genius idea, and and I think it's an idea that that, that they could export <laughs> if they really wanted to. There's got to be other amazing places where you could do something really similar. Absolutely, I'm, I'm thinking certainly France. Uh, around the main ski valleys there, there you should be really able to do something very very similar mm-hmm. it also has to be said this was the 17th edition so it's not like it's a brand new format no but i think it'd be really interesting actually to to speak to them and see whether they came up with the idea or whether they stole it from someone themselves who knows oh, we should we should ask Oli and baba about this mm-hmm. for sure right another important question um how did the risk to fun to scoring points ratio figure in your planning? How are you picking routes, trails? Um, you know, also only for the fun. Um, what, what you know, the, the problem is where do these trails lead to? If you cut them short, they don't give enough points. Um, but if you take the full route, they're um, you know they're too long and you may miss a, a bus or, or something like that did you ever have any challenges with that there's two things i think figuring figured into our planning a lot you know there's a little bit of ambition there you know we want to score some points so high points value was definitely right up there when it came to the criteria we were looking at and the second one is splitting out the climbing you know 
not giving ourselves too much climbing to do all at once, trying to spread it out over the day um, and finding a route that I know I can finish within the time, not being overly ambitious. Um, and if you do that, there's so many trails out there, you're bound to ride some fun trails. I mean, it's just not possible not to ride amazing trails. We definitely were picking trails with high points because, you know, at the end of every day, they do that little roundup and, you know, the top two teams, this is the route they take. And almost every time, Rolly says, so it's quite clear if people wanted to score well, they needed to take trail X or Y. Mm. And every time we'd taken that trail. Yeah. So. Okay. There's definitely certain trails that make a massive difference to, to how you score. Oh, yeah. For sure. It also has to be said on the trail sheet that you get for your planning session the night before, um, it does indicate um, not only the difficulty um, of the trail, so what what you have to expect. Is it like a simple alpine road? Is it an easy flow trail? Is it a challenging single track? Is it like super sketchy, gnarly, very, very hard single trail. Um, that's all indicated. And the most, and you know, that's what, uh, what I wanted to say before when with the planning is the, is that it also indicates the up meters and the down meters. And, uh, certainly on the first day, we haven't taken into account enough, the up to down meter ratio, <laughs> let's put it that way. And, uh, I guess on the second day, we, we, definitely favored um the down meters so we basically ranked all the trails by the down meters and then removed all the ones with too many up meters <laughs> and then just just wrote those that we could uh, we could line up uh, nicely with a combination of course of stuff that we haven't written before it sounds like a very very sound plan if only that had been possible on day three okay before we get to day three because that was a uh, special case and we will we'll talk about that shortly i guess we want if we wanted to summarize what the what is the secret sauce for success at the grisha trail ride what would be your top three things be apart from fitness that we've already mentioned tires that are resilient to punctures there's a lot of sharp rocks out there you don't want to be wasting your time with punctures either some sort of heavy duty casing or kushkal would be my recommendation or both <laughs> or both yeah um good spirit you've got to go out there to have fun and no matter how hard things get because there's bound to be the odd occasion when things get a bit tough it's no time for a sense of humor failure you definitely need to bring your sense of humor with you which is a beautiful segue into day three of the Grisha Trail Ride 2023. So can you explain to us, what was the problem? Well, it only rained once. Pretty consistently between Saturday when we finished and Sunday when we arrived at home. (laughs) Yeah. I have never got so wet on a cycle ride in my entire life. It was character building. (laughs) I think that's the best way to describe it. It was a mammoth climb. Mammoth for me. Was it eight, nine hundred meters or something? I don't know, something like that. Enough. Um, and then as I reached the top of the climb was when it started raining harder. It was, yeah, I was in two minds about whether I really wanted to do it. I'll be honest with you. The, the evening before, there was a lot of conversation about, you know, 
public transport. Maybe maybe that's the option. We can go we can go from Arosa to Vol- to Davos via public transport in two hours. Maybe that's better than riding up over the pass. And I think there was probably <clears throat> there was maybe a third of the teams either took public transport or just dropped out when they saw the weather because it was it was that nasty. Um, yeah, it, it was an experience when it's raining that much. You know, those little those little mountain streams turn into gushing torrents and, and you know there's no bridges to cross them. Yeah, exciting. Yeah, it was it was quite something, that's for sure. Um it uh you know, I guess we have to date it. It was the weekend of the twenty sixth of twenty seventh of August. Um we've had some of the most terrible rain in the Alps uh, in a very, very long time. And unfortunately, quite in that time is when we had to cross back from Arosa to Davos. And on a piece of paper, normally there are two main routes that you can take um, back to Davos from Arosa. One of those was closed because, uh, of course, uh, the weather situation was too dangerous. And uh, and the other one is just a, a very long, very long climb uh, over a, over a high plateau um, with a lot of cows and deep puddles, which was, I guess, one of the the funniest um, the funniest anecdotes of Sunday was uh, seeing seeing guys thinking they're being pretty clever by taking shortcuts over over the meadow. And then misjudging puddles, and then sinking their entire front wheel into a puddle, going head over <laughs> into the biggest puddle and taking a proper mud bath. So that was uh, that was quite something. So there's a reason, guys, why hiking trails are marked and why you should generally stick to them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even then we were we were crossing some of those streams almost knee deep in water. Yeah, just taking a good run up at it and hoping. <laughs> There was yeah. something we could ride through, right. and it worked. So that was definitely a positive. But yes, it was uh, character building. It was a challenge, uh, but it was also a great feeling once once we did it. We we did some good uh, equipment planning in terms of uh, a lot of uh, plastic bags, a lot of uh, rubber gloves. Um, you know, swapping swapping gloves at the tops. You know, putting on additional base layers for the way down because, of course. It's the Alpine, and of course the temperatures are dropping, um, so the, the the snow line was coming down uh, quite significantly, and I think at the top it was only like three four degrees, um, which obviously when you're wet to the bone is not much fun. No, I think the probably the the best bit of equipment I had with me was a rain jacket with a hood that went over the helmet. That was worth its weight in gold, even if it wasn't very heavy. Just, just to have a dry head and not be rained on on your head makes such a massive difference. I had to take the helmet off a couple of times, change the battery in the camera, and it was instantly freezing. So, if anybody's thinking of going riding in the rain, get yourself a rain jacket with a hood that goes over the top of your helmet. You will be thankful. Totally agree. Okay, but we can't leave it on that. We can't leave it on that low light. So, if you look back on those two editions that you've done. What are some of the highlights? So many highlights. So many highlights. Last year, riding the Kalbasas Trail in Davos. I'd never ridden it before. What an amazing trail. Really, really satisfying. And just the way it's 
the people. Those, that's the real highlight. The people you meet. So many people we met last year were there this year, and, and you just pick up that friendship like you'd seen each other yesterday. I think that's probably what makes it more than anything else, is the people sharing all your stories in the bar in the evening, over dinner. For me, that's that's probably the best bit about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, uh, yeah, so sharing sharing the experience of, of uh, you know, conquering this challenge together is obviously mm-hmm. a special bond and people connect over stories. And, and of course, an event like that is exactly exactly what happens and mm-hmm. it is really cool to come back to these people and 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 have you know pretty much the same experience again and uh but yeah it was a uh, for sure i mean obviously the writing is top notch you know there is something for for everyone in terms of trails um i know doubles very well um but it was always i personally find it really interesting to to explore other areas that i don't know um quite as well so lenzerheide has always been kind of like okay bike park but i've never really explored explored uh, the areas outside and um all the entire area towards Hull, uh is is a kind of a, a blank canvas for me that I'm, I'm yet to explore so those are some some of the highlights for me i guess mm-hmm. yeah you should okay. definitely get yourself down to Hull. we went last year and this year uh, and it was awesome fun this year in particular it was a really good trail down there okay all right we also have some more questions that we want to add before we uh, move on to some other questions. And that Dennis and Gene, so we rode back into the car, and obviously we had this idea with the with this little wrap up and debrief, um, and they put in a few questions of their own, of course. And Dennis wants to know which tool or equipment, in your view, is indispensable for a successful Grisha trail ride. Or any multi-day alpine adventure you've mentioned the rain jacket with a hood dyna plugs and co2 cartridges i would say if you get a puncture the last thing you want to do is, is have to fiddle around trying to plug it with some inferior plug i've got these dyna plugs i think they're amazing you've just got a little tool you just ram it straight into the tire pull it out whack your co2 cartridge onto the valve let it go, and you're away in minutes. I think that's a really useful thing to take with you, to be honest. Absolutely. I prefer to start at home to with the prevention of the flats by installing uh, proper tires for the mountains, um, also with inserts. Uh, we did manage, and we have to be fully transparent here, we did manage first day, first trail, we already had the first flat. <laughs> but it wasn't me so that sense yeah i've uh, never had a flat yet either but last year year, Marco got one yeah that means next year the first day first trail that will be you (laughs) but the the other thing that springs to mind is is some sort of navigation device yeah we we met some guys that were there for the first time this year and they were trying to navigate their way around with the paper map we were given Mm. Uh, and they were struggling because it's so hard to know you're on the right trail and you can't just keep getting that paper map out all the time. Some people use Garmin's. I've been using Commute app on my phone, which is pretty good when you consider the price difference between buying a Garmin and paying for a Commute subscription. 
fully agree. That's actually one of the takeaways for us for for our next participation is that we will also be using much more technology <laughs> to uh, because yeah, again, it's all about the time management, right? Because on the one hand, yes, if you have a let's say a diverse group in terms of speed or fitness, then there is more time to consult the map. But especially when you're time crunched and you need to get somewhere on time, you don't want to be stopping all the time to double check if you're now really on the right trail and and all that. So I guess a tool like Komoot or or Garmin can be can be really really helpful, especially if you're all riding with GPS anyway. So mm-hmm. it seems like a seems like a no brainer. Okay, another question. Of course, we have to ask Gene. He wants to know what kind of cool content uh, we can expect from you this time around. Yeah, probably a day of suffering on day three. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to produce probably three videos, one for each day, as always. Try and keep them short. Didn't manage to keep them quite as short as I normally do last year, but that was just because so much happened and it, it was so much fun. But yeah, I mean, if you if you want to see the story, see what happened, see what sort of scrapes we got ourselves into, then you should definitely come and check out the videos. Cool. I guess we 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 went through all of the inputs that we got, and uh, before we wrap it up for real, is there anything else you you wanted to say? Yeah. If you want to come watch the videos, that would be absolutely awesome. I produce them so people can see what these experiences are like, and if it tempts you to come and have a go at the Grisha Trail ride yourself, you should get yourself signed up for next year. I'll be there. I'm sure Pascal will be there. And we'd love to see you there. Absolutely. And just before we forget it, where can they find your videos? So yeah, if you want to come and check out the videos, um, you can find me on YouTube. Just look up uh, Trail Tracker and there I should be right at the top of the search. Right on. We stick all of those things into the show notes. If you're looking for any more information about the Skits and Giggles podcast or where you can find more content from us, content from Darren, then you find those in the description. With that, we close it out. Thank you very much for your time. This is really interesting and really cool. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Pascal and I put a lot of heart and soul into this podcast, and it means a lot to us that you've listened to it. We'd also really appreciate if you shared it with the people that you know and care about. Until next time, Skigglers.